I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! This is the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round, and we'll get into some things today. A lot to talk about, including some of Anthony Lynn's comments earlier this week. But first, let's acknowledge a big-time donation. Yes, a very generous donation from a longtime listener and a longtime benefactor, Mr. Margus Terigian, who gave a very nice donation and said, Sorry about the lapse. Keep up the great work. No matter how frustrating or irritating the Chargers play, your coverage and insights help us get through things like watching our team's offense play 10 on 11 when Travis Benjamin is on the field. Thanks once again. Yeah, I don't I don't like those odds with <laughs> Travis Benjamin on the field. Driggins, right. Thanks, man. That was a really nice donation. We appreciate you continuing to support us and donating. Thank you, everybody. A lot of great words from last week's podcast. We, we had a lot of fun doing it. This week, <laughs> maybe not so much. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But uh, – you know, I, we're not going to do a big recap this week. We decided to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, we usually do our three storylines, but you know, it's a, this loss to the Texans was a lot of the same. Uh, we mentioned on the last podcast, it's a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, it happened again. Uh, it happened against Detroit. 
And now it happened at home against the Texans. Yeah, uh, kind of death by a thousand cuts. Uh, a lot of small mistakes ending up being big mistakes at the end of the day because you just can't dig yourself out of the hole that you've, or I guess you can't climb out of the hole you dug for yourself uh, midway through the game. You know, the Chargers led that game for, I think, 38 minutes of game time, actual clock time, out of 60 minutes, and still found a way to lose it, which is pretty astonishing considering how good they looked at times in the first half. Uh, but a lot of the same problems, offensive line not protecting, uh, defense giving up big plays at inopportune times, stupid penalties, uh, blown coverages, uh, you know, questionable coaching decisions kind of ran the gamut in terms of finding different ways to lose. And, you know, last year we talked a lot about this team finding ways to win. And now we seem to be back to the old ways of finding figuring out how, you know, finding new ways to lose every week, which is not real encouraging. Yeah, which is how last year started out too. But, you know, it was it was a lot like the week before. Another uh, touchdown by Justin Jackson callback on a holding penalty by Dan Feeney. There was a Des King penalty on a, an a interception from Rayshon Jenkins that uh, got erased. Again, the team storms ahead early. Uh, goes away from their initial game plan. They got him there, uh, fall behind late, ended up losing. Pass rush wasn't there again this week. In fact, I read uh, Watson only faced 13.9% of uh, pressure during his dropbacks, which was lowest in his career, which is insane to think about because that offensive line is not good. And the fact that they gave Deshaun Watson time, a very good quarterback time to operate back there, was uh, not good. And, uh, of course, you know, there's a lot of coaching decisions, like you mentioned, some uh, screwy player rotations, uh, which uh, we should probably get into. Because after this whole game, uh, Anthony Lynn had some very interesting comments when he addressed the media. Uh, Interesting, puzzling, a lot of different uh, ways to describe his comments. But uh, let's talk about it, because uh, there was a lot to go off of. Uh, First off, let's talk about Rayshon Jenkins. Uh, Lynn said when he was asked about Jenkins, you got a guy who's playing at an elite level at free safety. You don't want to make two moves uh, in regards to Nasir Adderley. I think we're looking at Roderick Teamer being our strong safety. What do you think about those comments from Lynn? Uh, I think he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think he was in that particular question, he was asked about moving uh, Jenkins to strong safety. And he right. responds with the nonsense about him playing at an, at an elite level, which I think anybody who watches these games can see he's clearly not playing at an elite level. Granted, he did have an interception taken off the board on a phantom face mask penalty in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, looked like they called Des King for trying to grab the face mask more so than actually grabbing it, but we'll let that slide for now. Um, Jenkins is taking bad angles. He's late on coverage. Uh, he's giving up big plays behind him, uh, just not covering the ground that he needs to cover, maybe not able to cover the ground that he needs to cover on the back end. And clearly, in my opinion, much better suited to play strong safety, but the coaches seem committed to letting him play things out at free safety for now. Um, You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, obviously this is coach speak. He doesn't obviously mean he's an elite player. Fine. But there are different ways that you can go about sending the message that you think he's playing well or you think he's doing good things or you're not quite ready to move him yet. All of those would be acceptable things to say, but to come out and say that you think he's playing at an elite level right now is just, it's laughable because 
anybody who's watching this game can see that he's not. So frustrating to hear them say that they think <laughs> that they think Jenkins is playing at an elite level. Uh, frustrating to hear them say that they're not in a rush to get Adderley on the field. Uh, also very frustrating to hear them say that they think Teamer, they're looking at Teamer as the strong safety right now because he did not play well at all on Sunday, and it's mm-hmm. pretty clear he does not belong on the field on defense unless it's maybe as a sixth defensive back. He's really he should be on the field for special teams only right now. He does not belong out there, and that's not to say he can't become a good football player. He can't become a good NFL safety, but right now he is not a good NFL safety, and he clearly is not the best option on that roster. You know, you're looking at Jenkins. You look at a guy like uh, Jalen Watkins, both of whom are better suited to playing free safety or strong safety. Excuse me, both better suited to playing that position than Teamer are. So uh, than Teamer is so you know. Uh, kind of a puzzling statement, again, overstating how he values a player and just leaving the rest of us confused as usual. Yeah, and yeah, I saw a lot of uh, comments about, hey, man, he's just sticking up for his players, and that's coach speak. But, I mean, even like last year when he was saying that Jaleel Adaya was one of the smartest players he's ever coached or one of the smartest players on the field, something like that, something to that effect. And that's not saying he's any good. That's just saying that he he likes his uh, smarts on the field. I mean, there's other ways to go about it. Um, elite level is uh, is not something to describe Rayshon Jenkins in the least. Um, but when you're talking about um, the comment that kind of rubs me the wrong way is the, uh, you know, you don't want to make two moves. It's like, yeah, you do. Like the question was, he, he kind of posed the question like, what do you want to do? Make two moves? Yeah, you make two moves. If you, you got to make your team better. If Roderick Teamer was the worst player on defense, and both he and Jenkins were on the ugly side of a lot of plays against the Texans, a, a lot of the key plays on offense, if you have to make a wholesale change to improve your team, you do it. I don't, I don't get what the question is. In fact, Rayshon Jenkins is more suited to play strong safety, like you mentioned, over free safety because Rayshon Jenkins, like you talked about, you know, was letting a lot of stuff behind him. He's a terrible tackler in space. He can't cover enough ground on the back end. He's much better in tight quarters, arranging the middle of the field. Obviously, you want a guy like Adrian Phillips or a guy like Derwin James, but at the moment, with a guy like Rayshon Jenkins, he's much better suited to closer line of scrimmage than he is on an island back there playing center field. Nasir Adderley, uh, who had the biggest impact of any Chargers player in the preseason and only needed one game of action to do it, should be the Chargers free safety. I mean, that's why they drafted him. They drafted him high. They were talking about even trading up in the second round to get a Sierra Adderley. They wanted him so bad. Put your best players on the field. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, I, I just don't understand how Adderley, if he's that far behind, because Lynn says that, you know, Adderley was injured and he's, he's pretty far behind. What is Roderick Teamer then? If Nasir Adderley is far behind, Roderick Teamer is lost. <laughs> I mean, he's not even on the same planet. So, you know, if there was ever a time to start making a wholesale change where it's like switching Rayshon Jenkins to strong safety and throwing somebody else back there, whether it's Jalen Watkins or it's Nasir Adderley, it's got to be these next couple of weeks because they play three teams who have not won a game back to back to back. They play Miami, Denver, Pittsburgh. Then they play the Titans with one win. I mean, if you want to start getting some chemistry together and start to get some, you know, some experience at kind of a low start cost, building some confidence you know, and building some team unity back there on the back end, some chemistry. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. This is the closest you're going to come to a preseason action in the regular season with these three teams. They are bad. Denver, I mean, Denver's bad, but Miami is tanking. They're not wanting to win anyway. Why not next week roll out a guy like Nasir Adderley? I mean, 
at least at the very least start mixing and matching with Nas and Jenkins and Teamer and see what works best. There's got to be something where you start to make some changes because when you talk about like Jenkins being elite, I, it just it is so hollow because outside of that interception uh, against the Lions and he made a good play on the ball against uh, Deshaun Watson's play that got uh, negated, but uh, both plays were just kind of really bad decisions by the quarterback, but the, at least he made a play. But he has been a mistackling machine. He's a liability in coverage. He's not even close to being elite. So, I mean, I don't I don't even understand the comments. I don't get why he doesn't want to make this move. Um, we can get into all that in a little bit because we got a lot of other things to talk about, but he is not elite. I mean, Rayshon Jenkins is like the mustard of condiments, you know? He kind of <laughs> wishes he was like a... A ranch, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like r- there is no, there's nothing elite about Rayshon Jenkins at all. <laughs> no, there's definitely nothing elite about Rayshon Jenkins. And you know, to your point about making two moves, you know, this is the argument they had all year last year with Forrest Lamp was exactly well, we have so much chemistry on the offensive line, we don't want to go moving people around. Well, if you had so much chemistry on the offensive line, why was it a bottom five offensive line last year? And if there's so much chemistry in the secondary. Why did you get torched for 340 yards or whatever it was by by Deshaun Watson? And why couldn't Teamer and, and Jenkins make any plays in the back end? The one play they made was taken off the board by a penalty. Mm-hmm. So neither one of these guys can be relied on. I'd much rather see Jenkins at the line of scrimmage defending tight ends, which, by the way, is a problem because now we're seeing how valuable Phillips is and Derwin were against tight ends, all of a sudden you see guys like Atkins Atkins, and I, I forget the other Texans tight ends names, but these guys are making plays where they haven't all season. Now you're seeing that value in how good guys like Derwin and Phillips are against the tight end where all of a sudden these no-name tight ends are popping up. It's time to make a move. They can't continue to roll these guys out here and think that better things are just going to happen. They're just going to suddenly gel put Jenkins in a position he's better suited to playing, get Adderley on the field, or at the very least, if you're not ready to do that, maybe kick Des King outside to have him play corner, put Adderley in the slot, bring uh, Watkins in to play free safety, rotate Jenkins down to strong safety, so you you fix three problems all at once instead of just two. I mean, there's there's a variety of ways you can do this and get better players on the field Teamer does not belong on the field, and Jenkins does not belong at free safety, and it's really that simple. Right, and we can bitch and moan here for the next hour, but at least— Oh, definitely uh, we can. Yeah, <laughs> but but at the very least, we're coming up with some solutions. You know, you're talking about mixing matching, maybe putting Nasir Adderley in the slot. I mean, at the very least, we're both talking about putting Rayshon Jenkins closer to the line of scrimmage, letting him man the middle, let him uh, take care of everything in front of him and not having to uh, man so much open area that he just can't do. I mean, he just can't work sideline to sideline. It. It's so apparent through three games. In the third game, it didn't hurt him as much as it did the first two, where one missed tackle by Rayshon Jenkins and it's a touchdown. It happened in both the first two games. He still was on some bad ends of some uh, big plays on Sunday against the Texans. So uh, maybe the missed tackling didn't show up as much. There were still some, but didn't show up as much. But you got some solutions. Put Nasir Adderley back there, free safety. Put him in the slot. Let somebody roam. Let Rayshon Jenkins play strong safety. Let's talk about some results because none of these are working. No, they're not. And you can't you can't keep face on on the field. You just can't rely on him. You can't keep team on the field and you've got Jenkins playing out of position. It just seems like an easy fix to me, but it seems like they're going to ride or die with this decision they've made with Teamer and Jenkins and 
Yeah. I guess we're going to see how that works out. So next up is Travis Benjamin. And, of course, he had that absolute dreadful play on that deep ball in the end zone that hit him in the hands. And then he had that screen that he took backward for for a uh, loss of seven. And uh, Lynn said about Travis Benjamin, he uh, praised his speed, so the Chargers need to figure out how to get him the ball more. He, But, he added, the times we have targeted him, I need to see a little bit more consistency. Jesus Christ. You missed the best part of that quote, by the way. The best. And which one's that? That where they need he to said, get, the, get him the ball more? No. He finished the quote by saying, but he's a wide receiver and catching the ball is kind of an important part of his job. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, seeing that, that drop at the end of the game, man, I mean, was it, is that the absolute last draw for Travis Benjamin or what? I, I mean, it was the last draw for me a long time ago. But. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But once you see that in a time where they absolutely needed it, because it feels like that game where he caught, was it, 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 it was the Kansas City Kansas on the City fourth game. down? Yep. He bought himself a couple more games, and uh, we were okay with him for a little bit. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. That drop in the end zone was just awful. And, uh, of course, you know, this is more coach speak. He doesn't want to throw his t- his uh, players under the bus. He kind of he has an underhanded uh, jab at him a little bit about catching the ball and that he needs to be more consistent and stuff. But I just don't, I don't get the doubling down and saying, hey, we got to get him the ball more. Yes, praise his speed. I get it, man. But end the sentence there, period. Move on to the next question. Not the, oh, you know, uh, he's a really great player, uh, really good speed, and we got to get him the ball more. What are you talking about? He's got four catches on 10 targets. He's got 17 yards total. He's second in the league on highest drop percentage with 30%. I mean, Jesus Christ, this is awful. And Lynn ended up going later and saying, uh, we're, uh, in, in terms of the wide receiver group, we're one and two right now. We need everybody in that receiving group to step up and make plays, not just Keenan. As they step up, we will spread the ball around. And again, I, I spread it around fine, but one, two is right. It's Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and then everybody else can take a way far back seat. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from on the, on that last quote you read about people stepping up and making plays. That definitely yeah. has to happen. You've got to get Absolutely. something out of Inman. I guess you have to get something out of Benjamin as much as I don't want to give him the ball. He's on the roster, so you might as well try to get your money's worth somehow. Um, maybe get Patton on the roster, see if he can make some plays. They need somebody other than Keene to step up because at some point it's going to cost them being so one, being so one-dimensional in terms of passing the ball so much all of a sudden and then being one-dimensional in terms of who you're trying to throw the ball to on every play. Uh, it's going to make them predictable. It's going to lead to turnovers. It's going to lead to a lot of frustration. And it's not going to be pretty. So these guys have to start stepping up. I think we saw a little bit of that from Mike Williams, although he's still trying to trap the ball against his body too much. He's still dropping too many passes. Got to see him come down with more balls when he has a chance to. Um, And in terms of, I mean, in terms of Travis Benjamin, I'm done. I was done a long time ago. I'm, Uh I'm done talking about how fast he is. You can talk about how he can take the top off of defense all you want. But you can only take the top off the defense if you can catch the goddamn football. Yeah. And he can't catch the football. He's established <laughs> that. We've all seen that. And then when he drops it, he's going to grab his hip and pretend like he's hurt. Oh, fuck off. I hated that. <laughs> oh, for fu- I said, fuck you. Because it's like, you know, when <laughs> every time I used to go to the yard and play uh, basketball at the park, there's always that dude who would miss a dunk or, or airball a three. And then he'd like either point at this, go, oh man, that the pass was bad or wipe his shoes. Like, oh man, I was slipping a little bit. Don't fake an injury. You missed a wide open pass to hit you in the hands and nobody hit you at all. Nobody Stop touched grabbing him. your hip. Nobody yeah. touched him. 
Yeah, I had a buddy in college who used or in high school who used to do the same thing. He was the fastest guy on the field and everybody knew he was the fastest guy on the field. But he was constantly grabbing at a shoulder, grabbing at a hamstring, grabbing at a knee. He'd make a catch, he'd come up hobbling. He was always hurt because he was always looking for that extra like mental advantage, even though nobody could cover him, nobody could run with him. Mm -hmm. But there was always a little, you know, he always wanted us to beg him to play. He always wanted us to make sure he was okay for the next play. And uh, and that's that's Travis right there. Except this guy could play, and Travis is just <laughs> Travis. Yeah. And I used to. It also, and that's funny you brought that up because I've got a friend. Uh, like in my early twenties, when we were drinking a lot, we'd go out to the golf course and just get shit housed. And uh, my friend, who was really good at golf, uh, would be drunk and not so good at golf, and he would hook it into the trees, and the first thing would be cussing at his driver. Like, that motherfucker made me do it. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. Or maybe uh, all your senses aren't quite right, and maybe you're in a little bit inebriated, and maybe you're not even seeing straight. Maybe you thought that was straight. Yeah, man. <laughs> Travis Benjamin. I couldn't – I can't believe him because it's like every t- – now every time he gets the ball, it equals some kind of negative result. And as soon as he – and it's almost like, boy, Jamie – it's almost like as if they needed to draft a wide receiver after they lost Tyrell Williams and not depend yeah. on Benjamin to all of a sudden who, become an NFL wide receiver. Who's been saying they needed to draft wide receivers for the last few years <laughs> and and develop guys instead of always relying on UDFAs at, at the wide receiver running back? But who said that? Who who who's been saying hey, that? Hey, by like the, the last way, since years? we're doing I told you so's and this is annoying as shit to listen to, but I don't give a shit because uh, <laughs> we're rolling now. Uh, who were the two motherfuckers who said Travis Benjamin was a terrible free agent signing? Yeah, that was Never us. sign a wide receiver, and he was almost guaranteed to be overpaid and would not produce. Who was that? That was us. Yep, that was us. Damn it. Yep. I don't care how many articles Kyle Posey wrote about how good Travis Benjamin was going to be. We never came off of it. Nope, we never came off of it. And who's been saying to draft a corner for the last three years, too? <laughs> what else can we complain about? You know about? what? Let me run some. Let me let me run some things by it. I'm working. Sh- I'm workshopping some names for Travis Benjamin while we're talking here. <laughs> Tell me what your favorite one is, okay? Travis Benjamin, Travis Hohum Benjamin, Timid Benjamin, or Travis Benja run in the wrong direction. Which one do you like best? Mm, I guess tra- if I had to pick one of those, probably uh-huh. Travis Benjabum. Okay. <laughs> but what about what about Travis Benjamin? <laughs> First of all, mine was Tom Ass Davis. <laughs> and I don't know if we can use that for Travis Benjamin. <laughs> oh God, crazy. So anyway, moving on past Travis Benjamin uh, <laughs> and onto the offensive line because uh, he was also asked about Forrest Lamp because obviously uh, the offensive line isn't holding up that good through uh, three weeks so far. So what Lynn said about Forrest Lamp, he said the Chargers are going to stick with the same starting five offensive linemen, but he did say Forrest Lamp could see some more time moving forward, which God sounds really familiar from all the way through the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he even said before the season started that they were going to try to get um, Lamp on the field, and they really haven't done that except for as this athletic lineman, tight end, extra blocker they've been using him as in jumbo packages. Um, I At this point, I, I've i decided they just don't have a plan for, for Lamp. They don't have a plan for him. Something happened between when he was killing it in training camp in 2017 and, and now to the point that they just – aren't going to use him. I don't know if he banged Lynn's wife or banged Wiz's wife or <laughs> has, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know what the problem is, but they have no plans for him whatsoever. And I wish they'd just come out and say, you know what? He's not what we thought. What we thought he was. He's not going to see the field because you can't convince me after watching the preseason that he is not one of the two best, if not the best guard on this team. He was hands down the best interior lineman that played throughout the preseason. He, he got, was the best offensive lineman. You can expand that. Best offensive lineman. Yeah, yes. forget interior. Yeah. All across the line. Yes, that's true. Best offensive lineman throughout the preseason. He mm-hmm. got better with every game, with every snap, to the point that he was basically dominating the line of scrimmage in the fourth game of the preseason. And they were running behind him con- consistently with a ton of success. And now we get here and we see Schofield chasing guys from behind. Uh Dan Feeney can't get a hand on DJ Reader. Uh, they just they can't they can't block anybody, and yet Lamp can't find the field. So it's safe, it's probably safe to assume at this point that they something is wrong. They don't trust him. They don't want him on the field. They don't have a plan for him, and we're probably not going to see him unless it's in these jumbo packages three or four times a game just to get his, just to get his feet wet. It just doesn't seem like there's any intention to get him on the field. And I don't get it for a guy who like with Nasir Adderley, not only did they draft him in the second round, but they were trying to trade up to get him in the first round. They mm-hmm. talked about taking him in the first round of that draft, yep. trading back to take him. And now he can't see the field I, behind this offensive line. He can't, he can't see the field ahead of Michael Schofield at this point is that's just baffling to me. Right. It's a, you know, if he was a center and he was behind a guy like Mac, Mike Pouncey, you can make a case for that, that he can't see the field because Mike Pouncey is far and away better offensive lineman. But the question really becomes is for Slamp a better offensive lineman than what you currently have in your starting lineup? And when we watched the preseason, which had all the starters except Mike Pouncey, he was the best offensive lineman, period, among the tackles, centers, guards, and everybody from first to third string. Feeney had an outstanding game in Game 2 in Detroit. He was bad again against the Texans. He struggled in Game 1. Michael Schofield had his best game this season versus Houston, but still is not all that good. The issue we're having here that's starting to get really starting to annoy me a little bit more now that we're getting into this uh, another year of Anthony Lynn's tenure is it just seems like this coaching staff is so stuck on keeping whatever their lineup choices are and sticking with it throughout the season. The rotations will change sometimes. They'll rotate guys in and out like we kind of saw with Corey Legit and uh, Darius Phylon. Sometimes Phylon will get more snaps for Legit, but they always go with the guys they put there when they start the season unless they get injured. If they can't play anymore, then they'll stick them in because they have to. But when players struggle like Jaleel Adai did last year, they did not give anybody else another opportunity at free safety. They just cut them after the season. Knowing that he's not good enough to play free safety, they cut him. But rather than making a change in the season to help improve the team, they stuck with a die. The team could have replaced Sam Tevy with how bad he stunk last year, but they were just like, nope, we're going to keep him. He's the right tackle. Never made any moves. Same with Travis Benjamin, like we talked about earlier. I just can't think of a time, and I'm... And I don't want to sound off. I don't want to sound condescending because I really don't know an example of this. But when has Anthony Lynn ever scratched a healthy player and benched him because of bad play? Not because he's injured, but just said he's not good enough right now. We need to get somebody else in. I can't think of a time. Uh, the only thing I can think of, and he hasn't scratched them, but the best examples are probably the way he's reduced the roles of Travis Benjamin and Corey Legit 
over the last few years. He did that with Jerry Itachu as well. His first year, he basically came out in training camp and said, yeah, he's healthy, but how long is he going to stay healthy? And they just, he was a healthy scratch for most of that season. I feel like they did that with Corey Toomer as well before they let him walk as a free agent where he just wasn't good enough to be on the field and we were all clamoring for him to be on the field and they kept trying other people in those positions because they just didn't trust him. Yeah, it just seems like, and that's that seems like a lot of depth players. I, I just don't know any like real high-end starters. I mean, they're going to open the season with the same O-line. They're going to have Thomas Davis. They're going to have Rayshon Jenkins playing free safety. And while all these issues start to pile up, the comments just keep coming. We're sticking with our starting lineup. And I understand you don't want to give up on your guys. You want to give them confidence. But what is going to make your football team better? I think that's where Anthony Lynn's doing a disservice to this team. Is Thomas Davis really better than Kaiser White or Drew Tranquil today? Is Rayshon Jenkins a better free safety than Nasir Adderley? Is Michael Schofield better than Forrest Lamp? I mean, these seem like questions that already have answers, but they're not making the moves. They just won't make those changes to improve the starting lineup. So I don't, I don't know when enough is enough with this regime. And they just go, listen, Schofield sucks. He's old. Uh, we've got to replace him anyway. We drafted Forrest Lamp. We put all this draft capital in him. We were really high on him in the draft. Why can't we get him some actual playing time during the season? They will not do it. I, I don't know when they make that move. Yeah, why can't we figure out what we have? What, yeah. At what point do we fi- do we try to f- actually see on the field what we have in Forrest Lamp or what we have in Nasir Adderley or right. whatever, Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil. Yeah. I mean, Tranquil is a rookie. I get that. But Kaiser right, White, right. I thought, was playing pretty well. Um, and he I, seems to me he's earned the right to be on the field at this point. As something mm-hmm. more than you know, playing seven snaps a game, yeah. uh, and he's definitely a better athlete and a better football player than Thomas Davis right now. So, I mean, I think you make a fair point. It, it's kind of feeling like that thing that we always hated about the Mike McCoy era, which was they had their veterans, they stuck with their veterans, they'd ride, they'd ride or die with the veterans, and there was just no changing their minds. Period. Ever. And mm-hmm. it seems like I don't know if that's a front office thing, if that's a coaching thing. It seemed like they were getting away from that early in, in Lynn's tenure, and now it seems like they're falling back into those same habits of, hey, this is this is our offensive line. We're not we're not looking at changing anything. We're you know this is our linebacking core. This is the way we envisioned it going into the season. This is what we're going to stick with. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. You know, we we both were very excited about Lynn early in the tenure, and now you see these questionable personnel decisions, and it kind of makes you wonder where this team is headed long term because. They're just not willing to improve. They it seems like status quo is fine. As long as people think they're a good football team and they're competitive and they can win nine to 12 games a year, they're cool with that. And they're not really motivated to make changes to get better. Uh, and that they're off, the whole offseason was about status quo, maintaining mm-hmm. status quo, ma- maintaining, just maintain. That was what the whole offseason was about. So it, it's definitely frustrating. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, it, that's and that's what we were talking about last week. They, Telesco's just always kept them good enough, but never quite pushed them over the edge. And you know, things could change with Lynn, and uh, he could start ma- he could start making some real personnel changes. But uh, you know, it's three games into the season. Uh, the Chargers are one and two. Uh, it's not the end of the world. They get a real soft schedule for the next four games. Uh, this would be a real opportune time to make some of those changes and see what you have in some of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a veterans earn the tenure and they're going to play. You know, you, they're, you know, not that Denzel Perryman's old, but you've got these younger guys who uh, flash more athleticism and in that quote unquote upside, which uh, not a word I, I particularly love, but with uh, Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil, they're going with, you know, uh, over the hill Thomas Davis and running Denzel Perryman back out there. And they're going to run Michael Schofield out at right guard when you know he's not a long-term option there anyway instead of going with the guy they drafted in the second round and you know they're not checking out what they have in the Seattle yet and you know I get it he's a rookie and uh, you know I'm not jumping off any bridges or I'm not uh, quite doing uh, pitchforks and torches quite yet but there's just something to keep an eye on is all I'm saying it doesn't seem like they're willing to make any moves unless they have to. If somebody gets injured, uh, somebody isn't on the team anymore, they'll make that move. You know, if they cut Jaleel Adai and Corey Leach, it, they'll, they'll draft a guy like Jerry Tillery and they'll bring in the Sierra Adderley and they'll do all those things. But in terms of on the field, they're kind of just stuck in their ways, it seems like right now. Yeah, I don't know if they just want to see what they can get out of the guys they pictured starting at the beginning of the, at the beginning of training camp and see if they can turn things around, but I feel like for sure we know what we have in Michael Schofield and we know like you said he's not a long-term answer. That's the one spot that's the one spot that's the most frustrating to me and I would say what they're doing with And he's not any good. He's not he's playing not good. any good. Yeah, he's not any good. Uh that Yep, we keep coming back to that. Michael Schofield sucks. Have we mentioned that? Yeah, he's bad. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully some of the stuff turns itself around. And like you said, we're not jumping off any bridges. We're not panicking. We're not saying they're going to have a you know five and eleven season or draft in the top ten or it's time to start tanking. Nothing like that. I still think this is a good football team. I still think they can and will win games. And it's entirely likely they could wind up five and two after these next four games. So it's not time to panic yet, but there are definitely some decisions that are baffling and there are definitely some things that are worth monitoring for sure. Um, and hopefully we get some more answers as we proceed through the season and maybe we do start seeing more of a forest lamp or a Nasir Adderley. Uh, certainly seemed like last week would have been a good chance to have Adderley maybe even play a dime linebacker role to help contain uh, Deshaun Watson and cover some ground in that underneath zone, but uh, they didn't. They didn't pull the trigger on that for whatever reason. Yeah, and Lynn did say he's going to try to get him in more, and uh, they might see him as another defensive back on the field. So that's promising. Uh, we'll see if it ends up happening. And, of course, uh, you know, we've been talking about Melvin Gordon through the season, and it's game three, and still don't miss Melvin Gordon. That running back core is doing just fine with that one-two punch of Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Yeah, they're doing just fine. The only complaint that I would have is that they're not using them enough. 
Um, exactly. You know, I mentioned earlier they, they led that game uh, on Sunday for 38 or 39 minutes, something like that. And still, they threw the ball 53 times in that game. And it felt like after the first half, they were playing the Texans game at the Texans' pace. And they were tr- they were letting the Texans dictate the flow of that game and how they reacted to what was going on. And they put Rivers in jeopardy behind a terrible offensive line 53 times. And he took a pounding. And I'll just say that, I mean, I know I've been critical of Rivers at times. I'm going to say that, that games like that really heighten your appreciation of him because that guy is, uh, he's freaking bionic or something. I, I don't know how mm-hmm. he's still standing. I don't know how he's going to practice this week because he took a beating. There were plays where there were three or four guys hitting him at once. Like it was hard to figure out who was getting the sack or the quarterback hit because there were so many guys hitting him at once. It was like jailbreak jailbreak blitzes with four with mm-hmm. four down linemen. It was just ridiculous. So And they all had ninety nine involved in it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they pretty much JJ Watt was always in the mix. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I mean it was I mean, that guy, he is one tough son of a bitch. And he deserves yeah. a ton of credit for being able to be as tough and reliable and durable as he has been. And let's just hope, knock on wood, let's just hope that line doesn't get him killed because that was scary on Sunday. Yeah, you know what? And I think that's a great way to end it. Let's all appreciate Philip Rivers. They might be one and two, but goddamn, he is a warrior. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.